Welcome to episode 17 of the No Greater Joy podcast, brought to you by the pastors here at Grace Baptist Church uh, to build up our people, to seek to, to build into them and encourage uh, their knowing greater joy. And so I'm Steve Strong, lead pastor here at Grace Baptist Church. Across the table, I have Ryan Atkins, serving in the Timothy position. Yep. And happy to have uh, Sam Farlow and Chuck Posley again. They were guest at the previous episode talking about our national state and local fellowships what they are what the benefits and uh, why we participate in them and uh, happy to have them back for this episode as we talk about fellowship not outside the church uh, or with other churches but within the church um, and so Again, a brief introduction, even though you guys shared a little bit, maybe uh, this is the first time someone is hearing about you guys. Sam, tell us a little bit about you, where you're serving, uh, your family as well, and then Chuck will have you do that also. So, I'm currently serving at First Baptist of Strongsville, Ohio, and um, I just came here eight months ago as a part of a revitalization effort to get the church back on its feet. Uh, our family is, um, I have four kids, all grown, three of them are married, one is single, very eligible if anyone's interested. All right, duly noted. <laughs> <laughs> and we have uh, 16 grandkids between the, the three kids that are married and are just really enjoying uh, being a part of their lives, uh, both in person as well as from a distance. And you've been at Strongsville for how long now? Eight months. Eight months. Oh, wow. I was thinking it was well, almost a year. I was thinking it was about a year, but eight months. Very good. And then Chuck Posley, thank you again for being here. My privilege to be with you again, and uh, I serve as the state representative of the Ohio Association of Regular Baptist Churches. Mm -hmm. Been doing that for five years now, hard to believe how long we've been here. Had the privilege of pastoring for 39 years in three churches, one here in Ohio, one in Iowa, and one in Florida. Uh, God has blessed me with a wonderful wife of 45 years. We have four children, three sons and a daughter, and they live all around the country, and God has blessed us with eight grandchildren. I've always said this, and I've heard it said before, if we could have had grandchildren first, that would have been a good deal. Uh, but that's not the way it works. But we're very thankful to how God has blessed our family and ministry. Very good. And you, both of you have served as pastors. Uh, I think you've, you've told us a little bit about where. Um, how many different churches, Sam, have you pastored in? We've planted three and are planted on our three. fourth restoration. Great. I think you're going to bring a great perspective to what we're going to be talking about as you've worked with churches from the very beginning and as you're seeking to restore. And then, Chuck, you were pastoring I how many different... Three churches. Yep. Three. And um, I would imagine for, you know, this... You're talking about fellowship within a church, Um whether you're starting a church, coming into a church for the first time as a new pastor, you know, these are one of those things that we're looking at. What in general is fellowship within a healthy church? What does it look like? Sam, I'll let you just kind of start running with that as we okay. begin to... Well, obviously the word koine uh, or koinonia comes from the word for common. So having something in common uh, whether that's uh, shared love for Jesus, uh, shared love for each other, shared commitment to uh, ministry, theology, all those things in common. Certainly you can, uh, you can have um, some degree of union with, uh, you tie two cat's tails together and throw them over a clothesline, you'll have union, but you won't have a commonality, <laughs> a joyful commonality. And so um, 
I see fellowship as being something that starts obviously vertically, where we want to have the commonality of a shared relationship with Jesus Christ. And then as it becomes uh, horizontal with other believers, where you are now knit together by the Holy Spirit into one body called the church, capital C, if we've been referring to that that way. Mm -hmm. And uh, then because God has called local churches to be the means by which people are ministered to on the greatest level, then we have to work out how are we going to have a blessed relationship of fellowship or commonality and work th- working together in all sorts of facets of how we can encourage each other in our walks with Christ, as well as how we can minister to each other's needs. That's a general. All right. When it comes to fellowship, uh, I think of the thought of being together. Very important to be together. But I also know it goes further than that. It's about doing things together. And the opportunity that we have because of our relationship with Jesus Christ to be able to, in our, in our fellowship, be able to, to spend time with God together and to be able to do his will together. I think a key to fellowship is the care of the church. Do the people actually care for each other? You know, we can sit in an auditorium on Sunday mornings and even sit in Sunday school together. We can be together on Wednesday night and yet not care. I, I really believe that's an important part of fellowship is that we have to really care for one another. A church that I pastored at one time, uh, their motto was this, we care, come and see. And after I was there just for a few weeks, I began to think about the real motto is we don't care, come and see. <laughs> And wow. I, th- I think that, that the real issue is is that people need to care for one another, and as we care for one another and become uh, concerned for one another, that develops our fellowship. Mm-hmm. We, I hear pastors commonly tell me, when people come visit us, they find us to be a very friendly church. What does that mean? Is that something that's on a surface level only? I was just talking to a lady recently, and she said, yeah, there's no question your church is very friendly, but I don't think it ever goes beyond a surface level. Um, people have asked me a few questions in, in church services and in the foyer, but no one's ever invited me to their house. No one's ever uh, gotten serious about ministering to me by way of caring for me with meals. Uh, no one's ever asked me to go out for lunch together. So, yeah, certainly uh, genuine fellowship is more than just, hi, how you doing in a church service. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking as you were talking, Chuck, and then as you just responded, Sam, when we come together on a Sunday, it's not the same as when we come together, say, for a basketball game or a sporting event where you've got people to your left and people to your right, and you're all cheering and you're all there for the same reason. You're there for that team, cheering them on, and you have that surface level, oh, excuse me, I need to use the restroom. Oh, yeah, no problem. And everyone moves out of the way so you can go to the restroom, right? But like on a Sunday morning, we come together and it's not just that we're, you know, are you cheering for the same person in Jesus Christ, but that we're also arms around one another, like that, that level of caring does differ. And I think we live in such a spectator society sometimes that we lose that connection uh, when we come together on a Sunday morning. It's not transactional. It's not, I come, I get, I leave. It is that, hey, what are you doing for lunch today? How can we be praying for you? How can we get involved with your life? Right. I think Ryan was, that's very very important to understand because in today's world people are looking for connection they're looking for meaningful connection right 
And the challenge is this, is that most of our churches have have their their services are, are online. You can hear good preaching. You can hear good preaching everywhere. And they and people know your church before they ever come. Yep. And they're used to hearing even pastor preaching or whoever is preaching that day. They expect that. But what they're looking for is, is relationships. Mm-hmm. And the key is this. The pastor really is not the key for the people coming back the next time. Right. The real key is connection, fellowship. Do I find people like me where I can have a relationship with people? And I think that's very important that our people need to understand that. Yeah. I kind of running with this idea a little bit, you know, Sam, you talked about that commonality. You know, mm-hmm. we we have levels of commonality in a lot of areas in our lives, whether it's an athletic event or the gym that we're going with and there's other people there and there's, you know, or a certain (laughs) store that we're going to and we see, you know, there, you know, there's certain things that I want to buy at that store that other people want to buy at the store, et cetera, or a dealer or a restaurant, you know, all kinds of different commonalities, but what separates the, the commonality at a church and with believers is that that commonality is core to our identity. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not just a preference issue. It's not a, a, an issue of a team that we root for or just something that we enjoy or like it is, it's core to who and how I see myself as a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, and I think, it, what can happen in churches is when we no longer see ourselves that way and understand uh, the core of who I am as a person is a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, a child of God, uh, a part of the body of Christ. You know, this is who I am that spills over into every area of my life. When when that gets blurred or cloudy or we just are inattentive to that. I think we begin to see the fellow that kind of fellowship with others kind of get sidelined, um, and it's we just connect, or we're just here on the Sunday morning, uh, and we're not really connecting, and there's no fellowship. Mm-hmm. If that, I think we're talking just yeah. in general ways. And I see a real connection between the vertical fellowship that relates to the horizontal, because if I'm not correct with God, then I'm not gonna have an interest in others' needs as well. And I I think about even the very first time we see fellowship focused upon after the church is born at Pentecost. And when the people got together, they were meeting together to share in a Mm -hmm. number of different ways. And it says, as they shared breaking bread together and meeting together and studying the word together and praying together, that they did it with gladness and sincerity of heart. And when you see genuine believers who just love the Lord and want to let that love spill over to other believers, it's a totally sincere effort to minister to someone else, to have that Philippians 2 idea of considering others more important than yourself. So you're looking for other people's needs and how you can minister to those needs. And as a result of um, having that commonality of the Holy Spirit, and letting the Holy Spirit lead us to people to, that are needy and, and uh, that we can minister to, it just blends itself into a cohesiveness that people enjoy being together, uh, encouraging one another that way. No, and I, that sincerity of heart, that there's no other motive, you know, where it, 
I, I can feel that pressure sometimes as you're like you're trying to promote our church. You want people to come and you want people to visit. You want people to come back for that second visit. You want even our own people who are, you know, our members and regular attenders to feel good about our church. And we feel good when there's visitors. But there's almost sometimes that temptation. There's a little bit of insincerity with that where, you know what, we want a guest here. But do we want them here so that we feel good about ourselves? Or is there a sincerity of heart in sense in the sense that we want you here because we just care about you, mm-hmm. not because we feel great about our church and our numbers going up, et cetera. So I, I appreciate you bringing that out. As- and that becomes a real issue when you're in a position like I have where we're planting churches or restoring churches. Typically in a church plant, you gather together a core group of people and they're all uh, knit together. If there, there's anything you can say about them, they are truly coined together because they have in common this desire to start a church. And so you're all pulling the same direction. When you go to a church revitalization, there's reason. There's typically a reason why the church has gotten to the state where it's at, where it's small and it's struggling with finances and uh, the numbers aren't there to support uh, ministries and whatnot. And so sometimes when you come in, you feel like there's a, a, a rift, there's a Holy Spirit rift and you need to work through some things and, and to redirect some things before you can actually have a body of believers that would do a good job at expressing the koinonia, the desire to have fellowship with others and to welcome them in if they visited. And so uh, it, there's a, a degree in which training is, is almost necessary in order to have folks recognize how they have been failing in how they do genuine fellowship with folks who walk in, especially if they're believers who walk in the door as a first-time guest. So I think it's very important that we teach folks by example, which means having them to our homes, uh, taking them out to restaurants, doing fun things with them that are not necessarily church-related, so they can just see how sharing our lives together is so crucial if we're going to be effective in reaching lost people and bringing new people into our churches. All right. I, I am I am all for small groups, but I'm not for small groups on Sunday morning in the foyer. That's the time to meet new people and to build relationships. Chuck just dropped the hammer. I know. <laughs> that's a small bomb that just hit the And I think that's that's really a key. Really a key. Yeah. All right. So let let's you know, we're kind of dancing around this idea a little bit, and I think it's good as we're introducing this and hopefully you know, a, a good challenge for us, our people here at Grace. What would be, what are the, you know, we want Scripture to be our guide. What would be, when you start thinking about fellowship within a healthy church, what are those passages that should be kind of guiding our thoughts and our our actions, really? Where do your, where do your minds run? Well, I <clears throat> always enjoy going through the one another's in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to be serious about fellowship, having something in common, then number one, we have to be serious about ministering to the peop- the folks' uh, deepest needs. Yep. And our deepest needs aren't necessarily to be able to uh, laugh together in the foyer because the, um, let's see, the teams around here are the Browns and the, <laughs> I have to remember. <laughs> Guardians. The Guardians. Guardians, Guardians <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> okay. So we, it's not just about talking about weather and teams that have won that particular week, because those are fun times. Certainly we can laugh together and that's fun. 
but it means being willing to take that uh, next step of, of really caring for someone whose needs are much deeper than that. So for example, um, if there's uh, someone who's expressing um, a concern in their families because there's a rift between members, or if there's, especially if it's in the church where you sense as you hear someone chatting in the foyer where they shouldn't be chatting and you can sense there's maybe some gossip going on or something, then are we really committed enough to that person's spiritual life to go and address the issues that are preventing peace between people? So whether it's working out a, a friction between someone, an offense that needs to be taken care of, needing to ask, encourage them to go and ask forgiveness for something. And the question always for me is, how deeply do we want to invest in people's lives? Because if we're not willing to be sacrificial with our time and with our willingness to potentially be hurt in the midst of that, you know, if, when you get your nose in, in a place where someone doesn't want it, that can be pretty tough on you. There can be some offense taken there as well. So uh, are we willing to risk the possibility of a temporarily frayed relationship by caring enough to confront someone perhaps, or working to do the, take the extra step to make sure that there's peace between people by being a mediator for someone. So those kinds of concerns for the deeper issues in people's life are really crucial. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the one another. As a little plug, we've been challenging our people each month to memorize one of those one another verses, and so we have those cards available. So if you're at Grace and you're listening to this, don't forget your card on Sunday. Take it home, start memorizing uh, because it fosters your uh, togetherness in the fellowship, all right? Um, Chuck, I'll let you... What, what I have think. found uh, as I've studied Scripture is that from the beginning, God has always desired fellowship with his people. I'm reminded in Genesis when Adam and Eve were, was with them, that God was there and he took time together with them. I think about in the wilderness... Think, uh, as we think about the tabernacle, the purpose of that was for God to be with his people. Mm -hmm. And I think about the temple. God was there. His glory was, it was evident. It, it communicated the presence of God. So the reality is this, is that God has communicated to us the need for relationships, the need for fellowship, the, the need for commonality together. And that's a, that's a great reminder to me. In fact, when when Jesus came, he was known as Emmanuel, God with us. Mm -hmm. When he saved us, he gave us the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God resides within us. The reminder to me is this, is that we have the Spirit of God, and his desire is to make us Christ-like. That's, that's the goal of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. We know all of, of the benefits of that. But that really is speaking about the character of Jesus. So as you think about fellowship with me, God desires it. And as he desires it, he's given us a desire for that as his people. Mm -hmm. And that's a reminder to me. And you think about it is, is that when the Spirit of God took up residence within us, he did four, four ministries. And one of those was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what's the focus in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13? That we are one in Christ not just one with Christ, but one in Christ together. And that has that develops our fellowship, or at least the foundation of our fellowship. Yeah, that oneness, Paul is telling the Ephesians, you know, that oneness, that unity. And I would suggest, you know, the, the fellowship 
fellowship within a healthy church is that is that tangible oneness um, that goes beyond your Sunday morning worship service. That's right. Mm-hmm. Ryan, I don't know what you have. I was just thinking through some of our past episodes and we mm-hmm. talked about church membership and how it was a commitment to know and to be known. And just thinking through this conversation and like our, our memory verse uh, for, I think it's for May, for May yeah. is Hebrews 10 <clears throat> uh, verses 24 and 25. And it's let us consider how to stir up one another. Well, you can't consider without knowing um, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. So you, how can I encourage you if I don't actually know you really? Um, and so I think there's that knowledge and that the desire, not just to know that person, but then to seek, how can I help like edify that person? How can I help build them up? And so if you haven't listened to the, another shameless plug, if you haven't listened to those episodes, <laughs> we talked on church membership in episodes 10, 11, and 12. And then we also talked about church discipline in episode 13. And those are all items and topics where it's it's a commitment to being known. And especially with church discipline, that desire to see someone reconciled and see them repent of their sin and come back to God in those moments, like that can't happen unless you're in the body. And I know I've used this analogy before when we talk about that, that visual of the body of Christ. You know, if you take a finger and you sever a finger and remove it from the body, what happens to that finger? It dies. And so really this whole uh, cultural autonomy, like Chuck, you mentioned, people are desiring connection. They're desiring relationships, meaningful relationships. If we don't have that, especially as the body believers, if you sever yourself from that connection, you're going to wither in a way. Let me, um, two of the passages, and I, I think a lot of times when we think about fellowship within the local church, uh, our minds are drawn to what was happening in that first months, really, probably of the, after Pentecost, in that first church mm-hmm. in Jerusalem. Let me, two of the passages I just want to read, one's at the end of chapter two of Acts, the other one is at the end of chapter four in Acts. Um, let me let me read those verses, and then maybe you guys can kind of comment. What can we, what can we take away from those passages in thinking about fellowship within a local church, um, within a local a healthy local church? Um, so Acts chapter two verses forty two to forty seven, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and pr- and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And then at the end of chapter 4, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, 
For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold the field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So as you guys hear those, that description of this early church, it's describing a fellowship. Uh, what resonates with you in those? And uh, what would that, how would parallels kind of be in 2022 as opposed to 33? One thing that had come to my mind shortly before you read that passage that I think those passages reaffirm is we love sometimes as pastors, as men, to uh, focus in Ephesians 5.18. Um, shortly after that, it talks about uh, wives being subject to their husbands. But right before that, it says, be subject to one another. And I believe the evidence of the Holy Spirit's impact on people's lives, causing them to want to, first of all, be submissive to Jesus so that we are his disciples, we are his servants. As a servant, I don't have... Uh, the ability, the right to make demands on other people's lives. I am a servant to Jesus, and I'm a servant to others. It's all part of um, valuing other people more important than myself. So as I'm subject to others' needs, then I'm going to be sensitive to what kinds of things I observe in their life, whether it's spiritual, whether it's financial, whether it's familial, uh, whatever it is. And I'm going to want to be able to take care of that need as far as I can help in, in, in a certain area. So as it related to um, them breaking bed together, they enjoyed each other's company. Uh, we see in Acts chapter 6 where we have the creation of uh, deacons caring for the widow's needs. Um, we see um, people selling their property in order to provide funds for people to have who were needy. It to me is as we subject ourselves to each other and say, how can I minister to you because you're more important than me? then I'm just looking for ways to serve and, and minister. So whether that's uh, being cognizant, as you mentioned, Ryan, we've got to know people well enough to know what their needs are. So uh, if we have especially small groups where we're meeting together and we discover that um, there's a, a person going in for a surgery and they're going to be out of commission for a couple, three days, uh, maybe a week, do we organize meals as part of our fellowship? If we understand that uh, a widow who's especially older who cannot uh, afford to have some high-priced professional come in and fix her fence or uh, work on the yard for something, then how do we want to minister to that person? We, we offer to come over and do it for free. So fellowship is, um, is, to me, it stems from getting to know people well enough so that we can subject ourselves to being servants to care for their needs as well. A few things that catch me from the scripture that you just uh, read was they spent time together around the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, they also spent time in prayer together. So they were focused on the right things. But then they also took time to enjoy one another in enjoying eating, enjoying just to be able to sit around the table, talk together to get to know each other. And then that pas passage you read also said this, that God did a great work amongst them. Mm. And see, when we do it God's way and we follow his formula of what real fellowship is, God's glorified through that and he brings blessing to the church. He knows exactly what we need. 
I think, and then, you know, I think it was in the second passage that God's grace was upon them. Mm-hmm. And when the leaders in Jerusalem send Barnabas to go to Antioch and, you know, what was happening in Antioch wasn't under the leadership of any of those core pillars that Paul calls them there in Jerusalem. God is just doing this work in Antioch. Barnabas goes there and he and he sees the grace of God. That's right. And I can't help but think that the fellowship that is happening within a local church, in, in some ways, there's like this intangible ambiguity, but we know it's there. But he sees the grace of God, and I think he's seeing the togetherness and the fellowship that's there, where they are fellowshipping and worshiping together, they're praying together, they're praising God together, which brings them, you know, which really kind of highlights the core that is the foundation of their fellowship that's spilling over into other areas of their lives. Um, so anyway, that would just kind of... Yeah, I think that's very true. And when you have true fellowship, biblical, genuine fellowship, it's captivating. People see it, and they want to be a part of that. And when God's doing it, especially, uh, that that is what grabs attention of the world around us, that we have something far different uh, because of God at work in our lives. Yeah, it makes me think of John 13, you know, where Jesus says, the new command I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, and that that would be our witness to the world, that the world would see that there's something different about that group of individuals. What is it? Well, it's they're not all just individuals. There's that fellowship, there's that bond there. And they're not bound together by surface-level things. Correct. You know, there was a a young couple that was new to grace and one of his first impressions about our church was there's these people are getting together and like they don't have things in common you're looking at the cars that they were driving that people were driving looking around and just there's so many differences but they're together Mm -hmm. um because it, there's a deeper connection that I, I think you're right. People are longing for and mm-hmm. missing in our world. So. Well, and it's a connection that I was just thinking about this as we were talking that you don't get on social media, right? Like so much of our time on social media now is spent projecting, this is what I want you to know about me and putting our best foot forward on social media. And so this goes beyond that surface level. This isn't a, just a presentation of yourself. This is that being known part of it where we're going to see your dirty laundry and that's okay. We have dirty laundry too. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I, I've got plenty of dirty laundry, right? <laughs> and so like there's that, just that commonality that it, it does bring this bond of like we're in this mess together at times. And it causes an openness. Absolutely. If I am sensing that you are understanding exactly what I'm going through and then I come to a place where I realize I need to confess my sins to someone. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that we have to confess our sins to humans all the time, but the scriptures do say, confess your sins to one another. And so as we are willing to become deep with each other and trusting with each other, then we're willing to be vulnerable with each other. Yep. And as we're vulnerable, then uh, we can share failures, faults, mm-hmm. sins with each other and empathize, resolve those, move forward in those. And as we're deeply caring for each other, it's amazing how it, eliminates complaining and grumbling as well mm-hmm. because we're so in love with each other we enjoy each other so much that we're much less prone to be 
dissatisfied with the relationships we have. Yeah, yeah I, I'd written down, you know, the it is the core of our identity and being in Jesus Christ and the gospel that binds us together. And so our fellowship is that tangible oneness. But then thinking about what was what Paul was addressing in Corinth, you know, it it these divisions, it the seriousness of those divisions, you know, when there's uh, uh, so when when we're healthy and having our our focus in, in in over and over reverberating the gospel and what binds us in Christ crucified and risen in His return, you know that just reinforces those that core identity for our people, which works itself out in a tangible fellowship in, in this togetherness. And when that togetherness is broken, it tells us that our focus on the core has been distracted because he talks about you know i all i did was come and proclaim christ in christ crucified that was my aim and he just draws them back to the core of who they are and he's like you know these divisions are are heinous because it takes away from christ crucified and what the holy spirit has done and so um let me kind of let's let's try to land this in a in, in some practical ways uh for our people at grace uh for the churches that you guys participate in i hope they're able to benefit from this and listen to it um for each of us let's just maybe kind of finish this sentence um you know a church that has and is expressing biblical fellowship will and so just kind of answer that question finish that sentence Two or three ways, one, two, three ways, however you want to do it. We'll just kind of work our way around the room here, uh, work our way around the microphones, and uh, and we'll kind of try to land the plane this way. Um, so a church that has and is expressing biblical fellowship, Sam, we're on my left here, we'll start with you. Um, so a church that has and is expressing biblical fellowship will... And what I jotted down are some general things more than specifics, but... They will in genuinely enjoy being together. They will quickly know about the needs of one another because mm -hmm. they're sharing in their lives. And they'll joyfully want to meet the needs of those for whom they so deeply care. And the bottom line will be for them is they want to be able to know how to encourage one another to love and good deeds. So whether that means building them up personally or whether it's helping to instruct them in how they can minister to other people's lives like we are, we'll know enough about that to know how to encourage them. Great. Very good. I like that. Thank you. Ryan. So I had uh, so a church that has and is expressing biblical fellowship will challenge and encourage one another, thinking through like discipleship and accountability, which we've talked about, and just thinking that there's a role in our progress, each of our progressive sanctifications that comes from fellowship, that is God speaking to our lives through others. Um, that that church would also going along with what you just said, Sam, would be meeting one another's needs uh, with a joyful service, thinking back to Acts 4 um, and one of the passages you read, Steve. And then also that that church would display love for one another in such a way that is noticeable to the world, which we've already talked about as well. All right. Chuck, what do you have? Yeah, my answer would be this. Uh, biblical fellowship is more than cookies and red punch. 
That was the old way <laughs> that we used to show fellowships, yeah. having cookies and red punch. And it happened in a hall. That's right. Right? That's it happened right. in the fellowship it hall. That's where fellowship, fellowship happens. Hall. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> in the fellowship hall. Uh, it's really spending time together and building each other up. Yeah. And it's about caring for each other and helping each other through meaningful ministry together. That is so important. Uh, caring and helping and then thirdly, to work together and to serve together for the cause of the gospel. That's what meaningful fellowship is. It's all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all about sharing the good news. It's all about helping people to understand that Christ is everything. And we can do that by fellowshipping in a biblical way so that the world around us will see that we do have something, and it's Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I finished... The way I finished that sentence was that a church that has and is expressing biblical fellowship will go beyond a Sunday. And so from Monday to Saturday, they're going to be sharing together time, resources, care, etc. They're going to be worshiping together. I think you're going to see uh, families and groups that are going to spend time in prayer together beyond Sunday spend time worshiping together beyond Sunday. They're going to live together. And then beyond Sunday, they're going to be inviting others into that fellowship. So, um, gentlemen, this was a great conversation. We can probably keep going quite a bit, um, and maybe we will. But I, uh, Chuck and Sam, thank you for your contributions. My and privilege. in this way, ministering to our people, equipping them and building them up. And uh, we trust as... Uh, this is a, a good catalyst for further thought for our people. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're in the car or you're somewhere quiet, as it kind of comes to a conclusion, I before you turn something else on and fill your mind with uh, music or the radio or something else, maybe just in the quiet, think about and answer the question, all right, how am I contributing to the fellowship at Grace and what can that look like uh, this week and next week? All right. Mm -hmm. Well, God's blessings on each of you and uh, everyone who's listening to this. And uh, trust that you're 